Episode number 325, Saddleback Production with Rob Mortensen. Let's do it. This is the definitive podcast for helping you plan, create, and execute dynamic worship experiences at your church. Useful, practical content in the areas of production, worship, communications, first impressions, and more. This is Making Sunday Happen. Well, hey guys, welcome to the podcast. This episode of our show is brought to you by Church Banners. And if you are on staff at a ministry or have a product that will help our listeners make Sunday happen, we would love to talk to you about uh, about sharing that here on the podcast as a sponsor. Sponsors are how we make the show and our training content completely free. And if you would like to sponsor an episode of our show, just visit 1230.media slash sponsor. That's 1230.media slash sponsor for all the juicy details. We're back in the studio this week after doing some shows on location at Salt 21 in Nashville. And this week I have a really awesome guest, Rob Mortensen, will be joining me. Rob is the production pastor at the Irvine South Campus at Saddleback Church. And we talked with Dennis Choi at Saddleback a couple of weeks ago. So we're getting the Saddleback treatment here on the podcast. Rob is a great guy. I talked with him about how they train and pastor their volunteer teams, how they execute Sunday, how they craft their worship experiences, and more. So let me tell you a little bit more about our sponsor, and then we'll jump right into my interview with Rob. Here we go. Hey guys, I want to tell you a little bit more about my friends at churchbanners.com. We have three large displays for 1230 Media and 1230 Kids that we take to conferences with us. All three came from Church Banners. They are easy to assemble, easy to pack away. They look great. You can travel very easily with them. The whole process was really easy. Church Banners is your source for church banners, praise banners, and portable displays from inside your sanctuary to outside in the church parking lot. They have a huge selection of church banner designs for you to personalize free of charge. I want you to check these guys out. Just go to churchbanners.com for more information, churchbanners.com. Hey guys, today I welcome Rob Mortensen. Rob is a veteran of church production, working in the field for over 20 years. He's the production pastor at the Irvine South Campus at a little church called Saddleback. You might have heard of it. Rob, welcome, man. Thanks for hanging out, dude. Thanks, man. It's good to be so, here. It has been a long journey to uh, to get us together, and I, it, this is <laughs> going to be a glorious podcast interview uh, how, how we've had a, a back and forth of getting together. So just, it's going to be good, man. This is going to be gold, right? Here. It's got to be. It's got to be, yeah. <laughs> uh, well, man, get us started here. How, how, tell me about your church production background. Where has God put you over the years and yeah. how has it brought you to uh, where you are? Sure. So I'm originally from uh, the San Francisco Bay Area. I was born and raised in San Jose, California, and I lived up there for a lot, a lot of years. And uh, most of my formative years were at a church called Calvary Church in Los Gatos. And I started serving in ministry back when I was in junior high. Uh, they asked, you know, is there anyone that wants to help run sound? And, and I was like, okay, you know, I was this little nerdy junior high kid. And so I started doing some stuff with them. And then that kind of grew as I went into high school. And to, 
to set the the kind of the tone um, back then we were running um, slides and I don't mean like pro presenter or PowerPoint slides. I mean like physical slides, like with a slide projector and to the point where my church was advanced because we had a dark room. So we would go and take a picture nice. with lithograph film of the, the graphic and the, the lyrics. And then we would go develop the film and then cut and mount the slides and then put those in a slide projector. And that's how we ran our wow. services. So you were really pretty, advanced, baby. It was pretty advanced, man. Um, and that was more for our main service in our high school. Junior high, we didn't really do that. We, I think we still had overhead transparencies. But um, but yeah, so I, I started ministry there. I got into lights and graphics and stuff. And then um, I ended up serving in youth ministry for about 10 years. And that church was great because they did a lot of productions. Um, we'd had major, major Christmas productions that people would come from all over. And we'd have like 15 performances that were paid. And so I really got my feet wet and got to learn what it was like to serve in and around the, the church, as well as doing pretty intense performances. And that was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, from, the, from there, we moved on and I started serving in a church called Family Community Church in South San Jose. And mm-hmm. I was blessed to run kind of the youth ministry uh, worship team and production team there and help them develop um, some processes and systems and, and kind of push that off and ultimately landed at a church called uh, First Baptist Church or Church on the Hill in San Jose. Um, it was like a 150-year-old church and um, just had a really cool legacy and vibe to it. And uh, I started off just serving on the worship team and serving as a worship leader and eventually stepped into the technical director position and kind of helped run that. Um, and that was a lot of fun. And then uh, moved down here and I've been at Saddleback since uh, 2015. Awesome, man. So, uh, so about six, six years. So tell me kind of, uh, the Saddleback experience, how you kind of got there and what your week looked like. What are you responsible for each week? Yeah, totally. So it's interesting how God brought us here. Uh, my wife actually taught at a performing arts high school in San Jose for about 12 years. And in fact, I got to help be her stage manager and run a lot of her shows for her in her time there. And as her time ended, she was trying to decide, Hey, what am I going to do next? What's the big thing? And, and she really felt pulled towards uh, teaching in college. And so she's like, I need my master's. And she looked around different schools. You didn't really want to go to California. And uh, she ended up getting a full fellowship to get her master's degree for free from University of California, Irvine. And so we said, hey, that's worth moving for. And so we moved down to Irvine about seven years ago. And in that time, um, we got connected to Saddleback Church. Um, and what's funny is that we had gone to a lot of the other major churches in Orange County and, uh, for different reasons, we just weren't really feeling connected. And then, um, I was actually, uh, the cub master of the Cub Scout pack at Saddleback Church in Lake Forest. And one of the other parents said, Hey, you should check out our Irvine South campus. And I said, no, I, I don't really want to do that. And they said, no, 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 they have a permanent building. Cause at that time, a lot of our campuses and still a few meet in high schools and it's all set up, tear down. Mm-hmm. Wasn't really my vibe at the time, but, uh, I got connected to Irvine South and I found out that they had a need on production. And so I stepped in and started volunteering for a few months and then they contracted me and then I came on part-time staff and eventually turned into a full-time. And uh, so, yeah, I've been actually just last week was six years of being on staff at the church. Man, that's awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. So what is, what is the weekly grind look like for you? And has it changed over the last year and a half? Um, it definitely has. It's, uh, I mean, it definitely has. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's interesting. Last Sunday, I was thinking, uh, I was introduced by a, a volunteer to another person that was a first timer. And they said, you know, what do you, what do you do here? And the volunteer said, whoa, 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 what doesn't he do here? 
Yeah. So I'm kind of, I'm that guy, like I'm the Renaissance man. I'm always the guy to, to step in and help and say yes to stuff. So um, my weekly uh, job title and shifts and changes and whatnot, but I'm, I'm responsible for everything imaginable for our weekend prep. Um, whether coordinating graphics or backgrounds, um, creating show files, scheduling volunteers, uh, you know, maintaining equipment, build projects. I also help support other ministries that are on campus um, and different events, sometimes conferences. As I told you in our pre-meeting, uh, I was working at a conference last week um, at our Rancho campus. Um, I help with training and team nights, um, as well as meeting with our worship pastor for our campus or our campus pastor and our other campus staff. But my favorite part of my job, what I get to do and I, and I love is uh, really caring for the production team. Yeah. Um, I'm blessed that I get to do this full time and it's not just what I do on the weekend. So whether it's phone calls, emails, coffee, visits, uh, that's the bread and butter. That's what I really love doing. In fact, I actually get to officiate a wedding for two of my volunteers last month. And that's we just awesome. had a blast and it was, it was fun. So, you know, I, I think a lot of production folks have the stigma of, you know, uh, silent back in the back nerds, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, uh, and don't necessarily consider themselves pastors. And I'm like, man, you are, you are pastoring your volunteers. Like, like it is a mini Absolutely. church and you are the pastor. Uh, and if anybody needs to give you permission to be that, here you go. Like, this is it. I'm telling you right now, you're the pastor. Uh, yeah. And so, man, how did you kind of move into that, th- that, thinking was that always there or did you realize along the way like man this is my i'm a pastor to these people this is my ministry yeah for ministry to pastor them mm -hmm, for me it was kind of a a calling that i had from my youth pastor when i was in high school Uh, he just said to me one day he said rob you're gonna be a pastor and i thought about it and at the time i was actually pursuing architecture um and i ended up doing that for a few years in college and god really kind of changed my heart and shifted. And I ended up going to college for ministry. Um, and so I got a theology degree and then in college, I actually started doing electrical work. And so I did that for about 15 years while doing ministry on the side. And, um, I never really thought that I would get to be, you know, the full-time pastor role. And when I came to Saddleback, uh, their mentality initially was, you know, we need a guy to, you know, not just come in and, you know, run the soundboard on the weekends, but we need him to develop the team. And, um, and for me, I was like, yeah, this is it. This is what I want to do. And it's not just developing the team. It's also, you know, putting your arm around them and walking through mm-hmm. life and ministry with them. And I'm um, really, that was my mentality all along. Um, and it kind of has been like my model for ministry. And so uh, was it four or five years ago now, they kind of affirmed that calling and said, you know, you're not just the tech guy. You're not just a production guy. We see God's calling on your life as a pastor. And so for me, it was awesome to have something confirmed that was spoken over me. 25 years ago, um, when I was a youth, um, to see that come full, full circle to where I am now. Man, I I think that's, uh, that's really cool and interesting. Um, and I think, uh, I hope that a lot of production guys have that, that gift where they can know the knowledge of how to move the fader and push the button. Uh, but, <clears throat> but that's not solely what they do. They can be at a place where they can oversee that the the tasks need to get done. But the big picture is that we pastor our volunteers and they feel cared for and know the why. Uh, you know, uh, for instance, you know, you're not just a you, you're not here to push the space bar on pro presenter. That's <laughs> what you do. 
Yes. But you're a worship leader. You are yes. providing words for our congregation to sing to Jesus. What a great calling you have. What a great thing that you get to do. And and to frame it like a why, you know, to frame the the purpose that it's not. I mean, the action is pushing the space bar, but the but the why behind it. So maybe walk that out some. How do you, how do you make sure that your volunteers know their why, know that it's bigger than the task? Well, you know, I think often in production we think of it's all about the position, right? I need someone to fill this position, and and I like to think <clears throat> of it's person over position, and so I'm more interested in the person and how they're doing, and yes. There are things that we have to do when you come in on a weekend and you're assigned to do a job. I need you to do the job, you know. Um, but at the same time, it's those those off off stage moments, as it were, where you know we're in the green room or we're out on the worship patio or whatever it is, and you know you get to sit down and say, you know, how are you doing? And uh, one of the things that we're intentional about with our team is always in our pre-service huddle is to take prayer requests, and we and we. We view ourselves as a team and as a family, and it's not, like I said, it's not just what you come to do, um, but how can I pray for you? And we've had people open up to the whole team, which is awesome. It's kind of like you said, you know, a lot of production people are kind of introverted and they don't really want to talk, but we try to draw that out a bit. Um, We've had people share about cancer, about deaths, about um, just all kinds of things. And it's amazing to see people open up um, and trust the rest of the team with that kind of information. Yeah. Yeah. Good. All right. So we did a case study a few months ago uh, on a on a small church plant pastored by a friend of mine, Matt McMorris. Uh, he had a really small church plant. We dove really into the ins and outs of, of how to make Sunday happen in a church. I think they're running maybe 50 people, a uh, hundred people, maybe. Uh, and so I'd kind of like to go to the other end of the spectrum with you guys at Saddleback and just talk to you about what you guys do. Uh, how you do it, what does a Sunday morning look like so that people can kind of see the perspectives of here's here's a smaller church, here's a larger church, and where do we fall in between and, and kind of take ideas from both. Uh, so give me a snapshot of of what does a Sunday morning look like uh, at, at your campus? Are you tied to the the main campus on programming and everything that you do or what does that what does that look like? Yeah, so what's cool about Saddleback's model is really the only the only piece that we have to do that comes from our, uh, our broadcast campus is the message. And that always comes in a video format. Um, and it's varied a little bit pre COVID COVID and now, um, but everything else that we do is handled locally. So we have our own worship team. We have our own worship pastor. Um, I'm on the production side of worship. And um, so we have all of our teams that volunteer and do everything. So we run just like a normal worship service instead of, except when we get to the message, that just ends up being a video, um, but everything else is just like any other church that you would go to. Gotcha. Cool. All right. You, you guys were doing online before it was cool. Uh, <laughs> so there, there's a, uh, I say that about the zoom calls too, because uh, uh, our ministry was, uh, was remote. We all work remote before uh, everything went crazy. So we were doing mm-hmm. online before it was remote before it was cool. Um, but how has that changed for you at all? So what are some things, are you doing things differently now than you did a couple years ago or was just, just kind of, Hey, this is, we were, we were already set up for this. Um, I think, I think some different, some interesting things happen, especially with the way that we do online. And I don't, 
I don't have a large part of that, but I did actually during COVID help to coordinate some pieces of that. And um, normally like pre-COVID, it was all of our online experience was basically just a video of our weekend service. Um, And that would include the worship section, the music, as well as the teaching. Although I do believe they um, shot their own hosting moments um, specifically for the online campus. Um, During COVID that shifted a ton And I really love the way that our team kind of rallied around, how can we do this differently? How can we do this in a way that that really reaches people and encourages them? Um, I think that Sabek was one of the last churches to go back to in-person services. And so this was just a very long extended time. And um, our video and production team uh, really pushed the envelope as far as, hey, how, if we're filming all this stuff in people's homes, how do we coordinate that one? Because it's crazy. Uh, how do we, you know, craft that in a way that makes it interesting and engaging and not just, you know, something like this where it's a static camera shot. Um, and so we pioneered some different looks and, and just really uh, developed a whole new creative team around that experience. And then as things started to open up a bit, we decided to do a lot of shooting of stuff outdoors. Um, that's kind of one of Saddleback's values is always to be outdoors and nature. And I mean, we're in Southern California, so the weather's usually pretty good. And so uh, that was really interesting to see that develop and grow over the time of COVID. Um, But that was super taxing on a lot of our teams. So as we've kind of shifted back to in-person services, we've gone a bit more towards uh, what we had before, where we're showing a lot of our video music content from our weekend services. Um, And then the message sometimes is is pre-taped and sometimes it's not. So So it's kind of, yeah, depends on the week. Or is it Depends pretty on the week. standard? Gotcha. Depends on the week. Uh, what streaming provider do you guys use? Uh, you know? I did write that down. Uh, we use Akami. And I don't know why, because okay. it's not part of my job description, what I do. But, but what I can speak and do is the way that we used to receive our content from the regional side was that we got a satellite broadcast in real time on Saturday afternoons. Um, so they just would broadcast the service. And uh, we had a decoder straight into a Grass Valley T2. We would record that service and then edit out the chunks that we needed uh, for our service locally. Um, But we're actually moved moved away from that. Now we're using um, online platforms to distribute um, and none of our services are running on Saturdays for the regionals, just Lake Forest. And so that allows them to kind of edit that and then push it back out to us Sunday morning. But I do know that we're moving towards uh, getting resi boxes for all of our campuses and pushing content that way in the near future. Gotcha. What, What was the name of the streaming provider? uh a, a commie okay okay um cool yeah I, I just want guys to know what different churches are using all right sure. so let me ask you this how how much does media content play a role and you were mentioning how much you guys shoot and edit how much does does media play a role in crafting your worship experiences well it's i mean it's a big deal and i think that COVID kind of taught us that we can be a bit more creative in how we create some of that content and how we express it. Um, from, from my side, being at a regional campus, um, mostly the video that I'm showing is just our weekend service uh, message file. Um, so it's, it's a little different, but I do try to incorporate graphics, you know, motion graphics and different things behind our worship sets um, and tie that to lighting and to mood and try to create an experience and set the table so that our worship experience can be uh, better. Um, but yeah. And you're in control of that at your campus. There's not yes. a, 
you know, no, there's no, it's not mandated from our central. No. Do you have lower thirds at your campus or are you running motion backs on lyrics? No, we run motion backs on the screens. Although I do have an outside venue um, that has lower thirds. Okay. Like an overflow Mm -hmm. situation? Like an overflow venue. Well, we have an overflow room and then I have an outside area so that we still have some people that aren't super comfortable being inside. Although most of our congregants are still masked, but um, we still have some people that aren't comfortable with that. So we have some TVs and speakers and whatnot that we set up outside each week. I don't want to dwell here, but is that a, po- a political decision? Uh, meaning, uh, is it mandated in your area or just how people feel in California? Where does that come from? It's not mandated, but it is just kind of how a lot of people feel, um, especially in the Irvine community where we're at. So, yeah, gotcha. Um, okay. How far out? Uh, this is always an interesting uh, <laughs> question uh, for folks. Um, because some people are very, uh, last minute or, or, uh, you know, and, and they'll throw the Holy spirit around, <laughs> around right. you know, uh, okay. I'll just ask the question. How far out do you guys plan your, ser- your series and your, your services? So for the series, you know, at, at my level, we don't have a lot of control over that. That comes from our Lake Forest campus and what pastor Rick is doing and whatnot. And I feel like that's kind of a, a fluid concept. I know that in the past they've had, I've seen like whole year plans of what was coming. And most of the time that ends up shifting and moving. And I really feel like Saddleback is good about changing and uh, you know, whatever needs to change can move and change and whatnot. But there's, so there's some planning, but it's somewhat fluid and flexible Um, from my side, from our services, we, uh, we really nail things down kind of week to week, but we try to be planning out several weeks. And if it's a, a major service like a Christmas or an Easter or Mother's Day or something like that will obviously plan a bit further in advance, but um, it's not, there's no big giant grand scheme. I'm sorry to disappoint uh, some of you guys, but I know I've been a part of smaller churches that have it planned out much better and much further in advance. Um, but we have a saying at Saddleback that in order to work here, you have to be fast, fluid, and flexible. And sometimes they stretch that to the ultimate end. So. <laughs> So uh, there's a purpose-driven joke in there somewhere, but I'll, I'll leave it on the table. Uh, what what does uh, what does planning uh, look like at, at your campus compared to the other campuses? Are they are they all kind of week to week, um, or are they kind of on your flow and and uh, at the the same? Does that make sense? Yeah, I think as far as I know, um, at least the, at the regional level, uh, not our Lake Forest broadcast campus, uh, it's, it all kind of runs the same um, because we might get a last minute change. Uh, sometimes Pastor Rick will throw in like on a Friday, hey, I really want this song. And in fact, uh, a month ago, he said, hey, I want to have a throwback Sunday. And, you know, we were playing songs like Heart of Worship and How Great Is Our God. And so uh, it was interesting to throw that into the mix. Um because typically we kind of do songs that are, you know, sometime in the last three to five years or newer. Mm-hmm. And so to, to reach back five, 10, 15, 20 years even is, is rare. But I personally, I enjoy those moments because growing up in the church, those are kind of things that speak to my heart. So. Yeah. The reason why I ask this is I, I want people to know that, that like we're talking about Saddleback here uh, <laughs> and, and that, you know, I, I'm not saying that you shouldn't plan. I'm just saying that some people feel relieved that, you know, okay, if, if we're not planning way in advance, some churches, you know, aren't either necessarily. 
Now, I wouldn't say that that's the right way or wrong way. Um, I would, I, I do think that there is something to be said about like a microwave meal versus a, a, a cooked meal, let's say, that we can deliver microwave if we need to. It, mm-hmm. you know, we can be fast uh, and flexible if we need to, or that sometimes it needs to be a, a crock pot where we're stewing on it and it, it gives the a video team longer to make video content for or worshiply, you know, a chance to, to plan it a little bit better. And that might be Christmas and Easter for mm-hmm. you, or it might be, you know, series, uh, coming up. So just want kind of people to know, know that and kind of, uh, just have an understanding of that. Uh, okay. Uh, does Rick, does pastor Rick preach live at all services or does he record the first one? And that's, what's replayed all day. How does that work? So what they usually do is so Lake forest has a service at 4 PM and 6 PM on Saturday. And all the rest of our regional campuses meet Sundays, usually at nine and 11. And so they will record the 4 PM and the 6 PM and decide which of the two, or sometimes an amalgamation of the two, and they will turn around and spit that out uh, late Saturday night for us to have that content for Sunday morning. So uh, pretty much you're guaranteed that he will be there at four and six on Saturday, but uh, usually will not teach um, Sunday mornings. Now, if we have a guest speaker, I believe they do teach all of those services live. So Saturday and Sunday, but not Pastor Rick. Well, wow. uh, so um, Lake Forest, uh he does not, he only does Saturday, meaning uh, there's still services at Lake Forest on Sunday, but they're playing the repeat or how does that work? Sometimes. Yes. So I, th- I believe that that's most of the time what happens. I think it's just as he's getting older and whatnot, it's more taxing on him. Yeah. And and he's just not physically able to do every single service every single week. Yeah. So that's, that's, it fries out, man. And I think that that's where technology really helps us is, I mean, if, if it's going to be a, a video anyway, um, for the pastor to only to preach one or two times and then let the, let the video run at the video campuses. Um, okay, so let, let's talk about your production team at your campus. So tell me how you guys structure your volunteers. What is your kind of org chart or your structure look like on your team? So obviously I'm the head of the production team, and then I kind of have – kind of main or leads under each kind of the four main areas that we have, which is audio, video, lighting, and kind of our producers. Um, And they kind of handle the bulk of the training as I bring new volunteers in or people that are interested to kind of see what that ministry is about. Um, I'm more the one that does most of the follow-up and whatnot. um, So that's not necessarily on them to do, um, but I do have them help in that at times. Do you use planning center? Absolutely. Planning Center is one of God's greatest gifts to worship. <laughs> I know. I, I interviewed Aaron Stewart uh, a few weeks ago, who was one of the co-founders of Planning Center. And I'm like, mm-hmm. dude, I, I just want to hug you. I'm like, thank you for <laughs> what you've done for the kingdom. Uh, you are a blessing to us all. Uh, yeah. All right. What other, what other apps like that do you find useful on a Sunday, whether it's using uh, apps for clicks or pads right. or so we- scheduling? We use Ableton for our tracks and clicks and stuff on stage. Um, For scheduling, it's pretty much mostly in um, Planning Center, but Saddleback actually has its own proprietary thing. We call it Healthy Church. Um, And for me, from from like a leadership standpoint, it really helps me to track who's on my team. And then there's a lot of information about them as far as 
birthdays or anniversaries or what classes mm-hmm. they've taken within Saddleback's system, um, you know, when they were baptized, when they were saved and those kinds of things. And so it helps me to be able to follow up and know kind of the spiritual litmus of each team member. Um, and I find that incredibly helpful um, as I'm trying to help encourage them and lead them. Dude, I love that. In fact, I've uh, I've taught on this topic, and I used a, I just used a spreadsheet. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, but but I did that. Like, know know your spiritual know the spiritual points in the team in your team members' lives because I, I found like when I started diving into that, I found volunteers who were not saved. Yep. I found volunteers who were not baptized, and, and like you you assume that they are, if they're going to walk into the church sometimes, uh, sometimes you don't, but, but to not make that assumption and to be able to celebrate like, Hey, so-and-so has not taken a, you know, a step in baptism. Uh, they're going to do that next Sunday. We're going to celebrate as a team. One of our own is getting baptized Isn't that awesome guys. You know, it's, it's a point of celebration. Uh, so man, that app, I, I'm going to talk to you more about that because that is awesome. Um, and I want to, I'd love to just encourage production pastors, production leads to know where your team is. H- how have you found that valuable to know the litmus test of the spiritual health of your volunteers? I mean, one of the simple ways is so Saddleback runs on the class system. Um, where we just talk about class 101 through 401. I don't know if you're familiar with that, but, um, Class 101 is about church membership. Class 201 is about um, spiritual maturity. Class 301 is about serving. And Class 401 is about missions. And so um, Saddleback has this system set up so that we intentionally have a pathway to help people grow spiritually. And one of the easiest ways I can go in is go and look and say, well, hey, have they taken 101? Have they taken 201? Have they taken 301? And I, I help teach 101. We, we offer our classes once a month. And so, uh, in fact, this last, last weekend we taught it. And I had three new members from our worship team come through class one-on-one, which was kind of fun because then I get to interact with them a little bit differently um, as well as help encourage and propel them to, to grow forward. Um, So honestly, like for me, that's one of the best things that that I see in that. Uh, As far as your, your team goes, how many volunteers does it take to, to run a Sunday at your campus? I typically on the production side have about six or eight, uh, depending um, I mean, I can run it with as few as three, but it's not the best experience for anybody because um, you're wearing like three hats each. But um, but yeah, about six to eight people. And you don't, do you have cameras at your campus? You were mentioning you use full screen. We have one cameras. camera that's more like a, it's more like a QA shot. Like we record every service just to kind of look back and see later, hey, how did that sound? What could we have done better in hosting? Um, you know, how did so-and-so lead this song and whatnot? But we do use that shot to push it's just a center shot and we use that to push outside how so often much. do you do you mentioned that review how often do you do that review of a service is that weekly is that how do you often i mean it's available it? all the time i probably look at it about once a month um, okay. i believe our worship pastor looks at it i think every week okay uh what is your volunteer training process like what does um, somebody has to go through so i kind of have a four-step process that i've gleaned and kind of acclimated from a couple different things over my time in ministry, but it starts with, I do, you watch, uh, then I do, you help, then you do, I help, and you do, I watch. And so it's a way for me to bring someone in for me to show them what needs to be done while I do it. And then they gain some confidence. And then eventually I put them into the chair and they do it and I kind of back off. Um, But 
they're never kind of alone in it because for each of the positions that we have on a Sunday, we always have a producer that's kind of calling the shots and helping encourage and remind people what they need to do when and whatnot. But that's kind of my four-step process that I use. Man, uh, I love that. Uh, that third process. So I, I did a very similar process uh, with uh, volunteers when I was working at New Spring Church. And um, that, that third process we called bowling with bumpers. Um, because nice. it's very, very similar, you know, uh, here's some, here's some guardrails for you. We have somebody there with you in case you mess up, uh, or, or don't have the the confidence yet to do it all on your own. And I think a lot, I, I see a lot of churches do that. Oh, you want to volunteer? Oh, you want to be on pro presenter here next Sunday? You can run the whole thing. <laughs> yeah. What are you doing? Like if, if I, if I had to jump in there cold Turkey and then if I mess up, the entire get, congregation is looking at me like that's not right. setting your folks up well. Uh, no, so, to, so to have that process of going a little bit slower, observing, uh, gaining that confidence along the way, uh, I think is vital. Uh, all right. Tell me about your your recruiting process, or I, I like to use the word invite. Uh, how do you how do you invite new volunteers to serve on your team? Um, I mean. There's the occasionally we get we actually get to mention that from stage and say, hey, are you interested in serving in worship or production? And, uh, you know, go see go to the booth after service or come over to the side of the stage. Um, but sometimes that yields people. But honestly, like I found in my years that the best way to grow your team is to uh, invest into your team themselves. And so go to your team and say, you know, you enjoy doing this. Right. Who do you know? that might be a good candidate for this. Who do you know in a small group? Oh, you're not in a small group? Well, then it becomes a point for spirituality. You should get involved in a small group. <laughs> um, but really it's the, the team themselves being the ones to reach out and pushing out through your team rather than it just being, you know, you as the lead or the pastor from the, the platform or whatnot. All right, here's some fun questions for you. Just kind of rapid fire. So what are some, uh, give me a couple of things that you're really proud of. Uh, you've been serving in ministry a long time. What, mm -hmm. what are some things that you're really proud of that, that you've seen teams do? You know, this last year <laughs> was insane for everybody, right? And I had to watch my team going from serving, you know, a couple times a month, because most of my teams serve multiple times a month, to not serving at all. And, and we didn't have in-person services for over a year. And so as we started to come back, it looked very different because we started back outside. So we erected a big tent in our parking lot. And instead of having a nice room where everything was set up and you just come in and flip some switches on, it was now, all right, you got to get there really early. When we first started, my call time was 5 a.m. You have to pull all the equipment out. You have to set all the equipment up. And I have guys that had no idea how to, you know, run a cable or plug in a DI. And that just wasn't because they were, you know, used to sitting back behind the computer in the booth. And so... I had a lot of people that just, they were like a put me in coach kind of a guy. And they said, Hey, Rob, what do you need me to do? I'm here. I'll be there at whatever time it is. I have people from the band that would put their guitar down and say, Hey, how can I come set up? And then they'd pick the guitar back up and they'd play in the band for that day. And um, I was completely blown away at how much people gave and how well they just kind of stu stood up to that challenge and jumped in and went and did it. And there's no way that our church would have had as good of an experience. And I probably would have lost my sanity if it hadn't been for all the people that stepped up in that time. And then from that, you know, we shifted back to inside 
And then it's relearning our processes and how do we do this? It's been so long. And um, I'm just really proud of the team that, that surrounds me and that's still over there. So good. What about some mistakes or have you seen, I mean, we've, we've all had these moments, right? What, what are yeah. some of the biggest production fails that, that come to mind? Give me a blunder. You know, we've all had the, you know, a video cue not going when it's supposed to, or the pastor's mic got left on when he went to the bathroom yep. or, you know, I, there's two that I can think of as I think of that question. And one was, um, it was years ago when I was at a church where I was kind of doing dual duty and I was leading worship from the stage as well as kind of running production. And so I was up on the stage with another worship leader and the video froze or something wouldn't advance. And I'm standing there and I, I look to her and she looks at me and I look at her and I said, should I go? And she goes, yes. So I pulled my guitar off, set it down, literally sprinted to the back of the worship center, made the adjustment, ran back up, put the guitar back on and we continued on in the service. So totally like one of those like worst case scenario moments where you don't want to like break that, you, you know, the moment and the experience of what you're doing. So that's one. The other one was we had, we had planned this big um, production opener for one of, I believe it was for Christmas. And one of the things that we did is we rigged this huge scrim and the church that I was at, at the time had like a 25 or 30 foot um, ceiling. And we had rigged um, this scrim all the way up to the ceiling and they all had um, pulleys and ropes coming back to one central spot. And I was the guy holding all the ropes and it oh, was boy. to get to this big opener. There was a big boom, 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 boom. And everyone would pause. The lights were supposed to go out and I would release all the ropes and the whole thing came down and <laughs> the drummer hit the boom, the pause went and the lights didn't go out. <laughs> so I released these ropes and everybody can see this. It was really cool, but this whole <laughs> thing coming down. And then I think the lights went out about halfway through and then it came down and then the band was behind all of that. Um, but it was one of those things. It's like, man, we, we practiced and it takes about a half an hour to set that whole thing up. You know, we had practiced, rehearsed, and then the actual execution, the one moment where you needed it to go right. And it didn't, um, but nobody, you know, nobody cared. It was yeah. me kind of crying softly in the back, but you know, it worked and it went on and it was okay. Man. Scrims are always a, a interesting. I, I have a, a quick story about that. So I was g directing a, a, like it was like a Christmas, big Christmas production thing. Mm -hmm. uh, and they were getting set up. Uh, it was like a big Jesus moment or something. Um, and they had some, some volunteers. It, it was like in the baptistry and there was a scrim, but when we changed the lights, you could see through the scrim. Okay, right. Uh, so, so yeah, I was, I was on the calm with the volunteers saying, I'm, 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 uh, calling the light shot in 10 seconds. I'm calling it. No, no, we're not ready yet. No, we're not. You got nine seconds, nine, <laughs> eight, get out of there now, seven, six. I'm counting it down three, two, one. And uh, we turn the lights and you see like legs whoosh, <laughs> We're dive, <laughs> diving off. And the, the lighting guy looked at me like, Oh my gosh. Like, I can't, I'm like, do it. You're going to do it at one. You're going to fire that cue. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> they were like, it was an epic moment, but like they just got off in the, in the nick of time. So like, That's yeah, awesome. changing the scrim. All right, there you go. Uh, all right. So give me some, as we close, give me some advice for new production folks. So what are some things that you've learned over the years uh, that you're like, man, if I could just tell my younger self this. Yeah. Um, just, probably three or four things. One would be, um, be humble. Um, I know that when I was young in ministry, I think I lacked a little bit of humility. 
I kind of felt like I knew more than the people around me. Um, and part of that is you kind of do when you're on the production side of things, you kind of know different things than maybe the senior pastor does. Um, but you've got to allow room for other people to speak into what you're doing. And you've got to be willing to listen and hear um, those that are around you. You know, God has designed church and ministry to be team based and no man uh, is an island. You can't do it on your own. And so there is, uh, you know, wisdom in a, in a larger number of people. Um, I think that along with that, um, not getting stuck at like a sea level view. You know, when I was younger in ministry, you know, everything is about ground level. Like I've got to, you know, go and do. And um, I think there's there's value in being able to step back to a, you know, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 foot view to be able to see, you know, the operation as, as a larger piece and how it fits into the puzzle. Um, and, it, you know, really it's about, how are we connecting people to Jesus? How are we connecting the different elements of the service? How are we ministering to people's hearts and how are we helping them grow? Um, I think the lastly, I would say, and this is, like I said earlier, one of the biggest things in my heart is being intentional about connecting with your team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, like I said earlier, it's person over position. Um, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. It's something that Pastor Rick says all the time, and I love that. Because if you're not caring and loving on your team, they're not going to listen to you. And I have people that will will die for me because yeah. they know how much I love them and they know how much I will go to bat for them and and challenge for them and whatnot. And I've yeah, I've and they're not going to stick leaders. around either. But yeah, yeah, sorry, and they won't stick around. That's true. Um, and I mean, I've seen you know I've seen bad leaders um, treat people horribly, and I've seen good leaders treat people well. And, you know, like you said, people want to stick around with leaders that, that treat them well. And ultimately, you know, it doesn't matter what happens, what goes wrong. If the, you know, the lights don't go off or go on at the right time, um, Jesus is still on the throne. We're going to make mistakes and nobody's going to lose their salvation because of something that we did wrong in the service. Right. Great point. What are some things that you, uh, some places that you follow, things that you listen to and read to kind of keep yourself sharp? You mean besides making Sunday happen? <laughs> besides that, besides that, no, no, um, man, this is, this is no, 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 no. I, I got to be humble here. Come on, man. Oh, I'm no, sorry. I'm sorry. No, this is right. why the, the, you guys make it easy for me because all I'm doing is asking questions to people who know more than me like you. So that's how that rolls. Gosh, thank you. I'm blushing. Um, you know, I'm, I'm always trying to grow as a technical artist, as a leader and as a pastor. In fact, I'm currently pursuing my, my master's of divinity degree. Awesome. At Gateway Seminary here in Southern California, just because I want to grow. I want to be better. And I consider myself a lifelong learner. Um, I love to listen to podcasts. Um, there's a bunch of different, you know, I listen to Carrie Newhoff and Craig Rochelle. Um, I've actually recently gotten a little bit into the rise and fall of Mars Hill stuff, which is interesting from yep. a church leadership perspective. Yep. Um, I love the stuff coming out of like the mix you guys and the way that they want to really push uh, or help churches and, and do that stuff. Um, it's, you know, I'm in fact, later this week, I'm going to the North Coast Leadership, North Coast Leadership Conference um, with Larry Osborne and Chris yeah. Brown and those guys. So, yeah, just, you know, whatever I can to push myself forward. Yeah. Awesome. Well, man, I, I love what you do. I love your heart for ministry. And uh, I'm so glad that, that we're friends. Uh, and man, I, I just ap- appreciate you and uh, thank you for your time today and, and everything that you shared. I think that the the pastoral piece of this is so important that it's it's more than pushing the button. 
Uh, you know, people are going to make mistakes. We're working with volunteers. Everything's not going to be the perfect, flawless experience. And I've, I've, I've even served with the professionals in a, you know, concert environment and things still go wrong. So, I mean, you're, you're serving with, (laughs) you're, 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 we're doing production stuff here and working with technology and things go wrong, but the people is really the, the end of the day and seeing life change happen in our, in our people. Uh, do you want to speak to that as we close? Um, yeah, you know, I mean, it's, it's the people, right? It's the people that, that are there. And one of the things that I like to think of is, you know, if I'm not training other people, um, then I'm, then I'm doing a disservice. I, I, one of the things that I've learned is that I, I can't do everything myself and I don't have to do everything myself. Um, really my job is to work myself out of a job and give away little bits of what I do so that I could just stand back and, and love on my team and be encouraged by what I see. Yeah. Great. Well, man, thanks so much for hanging out today. I really appreciate it. Yeah. It was awesome. Thanks for, uh, thanks for setting us up. Digital signs are everywhere and can be an effective way of distributing information. However, they're costly to set up and maintain. Sign Presenter changes this by providing a simple and affordable digital signage platform that anyone can use. In fact, you can have your sign up and running today. Simply create an account and upload the messages you want to display. If you don't already have messages created, our web-based designer makes it easy to create them. Preview your screen, and once you're happy with it, pick up an Amazon Fire TV Stick 4K at a local store. Plug it into your TV and download our app. That's it! Your messages will start displaying immediately. Visit SignPresenter.com and claim your free trial. The show notes for this episode are available now at makingsundayhappen.com. Well, hey guys, thanks so much for hanging out this week. Our show is edited by the great A.J. Schubert. It is also posted and distributed by Daniel Stevanis, the Wild Stallion. We call him Stal. With social media content and distribution by Jordan Crawford, Jason Bozeman, and Steve Dirks on our team. Next week on the show, I welcome pastor and author of the new book, The Case for Heaven, Lee Strobel will be here. You might know Lee as the atheist-turned-Christian. He was the legal editor for the Chicago Tribune and went on a quest to prove Christianity was false. God had other plans for Lee and turned his life around, and he's been in ministry ever since. He's the author and subject of the book and movie, The Case for Christ. He's also written over 40 books, and I'll talk with Lee about his brand new book, The Case for Heaven, and how he and a team of folks are helping train the next generation of evangelists and apologists. So that is next week on the podcast. It's a really, really good one. Uh, Go out there, guys, and, and, and create some incredible worship experiences this weekend at your church. I'll catch you next week. Making Sunday Happen is a production of the Ministry of 1230 Media. For show notes, archive episodes, and more free resources for your church, visit makingsundayhappen.com.